This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, I would say that there are few people out there, if any, who know more than our next guest about child sexual exploitation in this country. Diane Soden is a longtime child advocate who has fought for greater awareness about this issue in the courts, in the BC legislature, in schools, you name it. And now she's decided to retire after almost 25 years on the job. Uh, Diane is going to be retiring as executive director of the Children of the Street Society. That's an organization she founded back in 1995. And she joins us now to talk more about this. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you very much. I feel old because I remember when you founded Children of the Street Society. (laughs) I feel old too. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, what brought you to retirement? What made you think, okay, it's time for me to take a step back? I think uh, my kids are all growing. Um, my husband and I were very fortunate to uh, be the caregivers of uh, nine children. Wow. And um, it's time now that they're getting on with their lives and um, my age. It is a very stressful topic. Yeah. And uh, I think it's time for fresh eyes and uh, for someone who has uh, a passion that's just starting out to make sure it continues. Your passion for this topic, though, has changed countless lives. How did you get into this? Well, unfortunately, I was one of the parents that lost a 13-year-old daughter to a pimp and drugs of the downtown east side. And um, when I went public about the story, uh, several other parents got in touch with my husband and I and uh, had the same story. And uh, it was very frustrating for the parents because there wasn't a lot of understanding. There was a lot of judgmental uh, comments made against parents, which kept them quiet. And there weren't a lot of services. And um, I knew I couldn't change uh, everyone's life, but I thought I could do prevention. And uh, go into the schools and talk about how do we prevent this from happening. And uh, I did my first presentation to uh, Coquitlam School District in 1994 about going into the schools. And um, we got into the schools, but only very few schools, uh, grade 11, grade 12. And uh, now we're starting in grade 3 to grade 12 and uh, doing over 550 workshops in a school year. And when you look back then at that history, do you think, okay, we did this. Like, did you, have you accomplished the things that you really wanted to set out to do? We accomplished, um, as a team, a lot of things. Um, We brought it to the attention of the general public, which was the big thing, that this actually happened in our city, in um, Canada. People thought, oh, that's just um, an extreme situation that happened. And the more parents that spoke out, the more parents realized this could happen to my child, no matter what household I have. You made it okay, though, for parents to speak out. That was the thing. Once they heard you speaking out... They thought, okay, now I can tell my story. Absolutely. 
Um, and um, we had a parent support group to begin with. So we had parents come together to share their stories and to support each other because it was very difficult for anyone to really understand understand. Uh, how this could actually happen. And you got a lot of simplistic answers. Uh, just go and get your kid off the street, bring them home, right. phone the police, get the social workers involved. And it was much, much more complicated and much more dangerous than that. And uh, so parents grouped together and a lot of parents didn't want to go public, but they would meet with MLAs and MPs and start telling their stories. So then things changed when it comes to the Child Protection Act and the Criminal Code. So a lot of things have happened that are extremely positive. Um, I also have to say I am was so fortunate to have a couple of media people that uh, were so sensitive to the story. Bill Good on CKNW you were on was Bill, unbelievable. Yeah. And I'll always think of him um, as the one that really pushed it forward. And then Jerry Bellet at the Vancouver Sun, he uh, did the first story on my daughter's situation on the front page of the Vancouver Sun. And um, it really opened doors to people talking about the issue. Let's talk a little bit about your daughter then. When you look back, what were the signs? What, did, what was happening to your daughter? Well, she was 13 years old. Um, she was uh, in uh, grade 7 in an elementary school. She looked a lot older for her age. Uh, she was very mature for her age. Um, my husband and I had adopted her. Um, she was a foster child, so she had uh, a lot of trauma in her life. And she just didn't fit in. She was a, a bright girl, straight-A student. And uh, she was bored most of the time uh, mm. at school. And she had no interest in hanging out with people her age because of her life experiences. And so uh, she would reach out to older uh, people. And unfortunately, they were not the people who had the best interest um, in her mind for her. Uh, we saw her change her friends. We started seeing um, uh, disappearing on weekends, um, then drug use. And uh, what happened is a fellow in the community connected with her and realized that she was a risk taker and he could manipulate her um, and uh, introduced her to uh, marijuana at the time. But what she didn't know, it was actually laced with heroin. And uh, she ended up with a heroin addiction very quickly. And things went from bad to terrible in a very short period of time. As that's what drew you into this. How how mm. common do you think that it still is? What is that danger out there? I think it's common and I still work with youth that um, end up in the situation that my daughter did exactly the same way. Um, but I also see that um, the internet has really opened the yeah. doors. And now you have predators talking to children in the safety of their own homes. Um, parents used to think, well, if I keep my child busy in uh, sports and at home and I supervise them all the time, they're not going to connect with these people on yeah. the street level. Whereas now, they could be in the safety of their own bedrooms on screen talking to a predator. And it's amazing how many teens that I work with that's how they connect with the predator is, first of all, online. And what do they tell you when you talk to them and now they realize what was happening? Did they not see that at the time? I think it's a lot of, um, you got to remember, the person who is the predator is um, filling a, a, a need for that child. And they're manipulators and they know how to find the weakness that yeah. that child is and what Say they're the right, looking the for. Right, right. And that doesn't mean the child isn't loved or isn't coming from a good home. 
think back in your teens. Uh, we all were insecure on certain days, and even as adults, we are. And these manipulators can find those little um, cracks. And um, that young person doesn't have the life skills and falls for it. How big of a problem is this still? And are we still paying enough attention to this? No, we're not. Uh, it's a huge problem. And I still do workshops where people are surprised that this is happening when it comes to parents. Um, Fortunately, we're doing a lot of workshops with service providers now, frontline workers, for example, nurses in the hospital. And they are the frontline lots of times that connect yeah. with these young people in emergency and situations. And they know what to look for now and um, who to report to and how to intervene and what's safe for that young person. So there's a lot more eyes out there. And so the numbers of reports are going up. Is it because it's happening more or is it because people are more? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system more aware and reaching out for the services. It's hard to know. Um, But I do believe that technology has really opened the gates there uh, for predators to prey on children. The issue of child sexual exploitation is a big one in our society. But the reason why we talk about it, the reason why we know so much about it is because of our guest that we have with us right now. It's Diane Soden, who's the executive director of the Children of the Street Society. She is retiring after almost... 25 years mm-hmm. doing this. <laughs> it's kind of bittersweet when you think about it. It is very bittersweet. Yeah. Yes. Let's think back. 25 years, lots of changes have happened during that time. More awareness of child sexual exploitation. You've had some laws changed. You've made a real difference. What are some of the things that you're particularly proud of? Well, um, under uh, child protection, um, the criminal code um, of legalization of sexual consent was changed in 2008. And, um, Prior to 2008, the legal age in uh, Canada was 14 years old. And most parents, adults, teachers... Oh, times have changed, yeah. ...did not understand that or realize it. And uh, it came to my attention when my daughter was pregnant at 14. And uh, I had been trying to get help and uh, for her situation. And when I went to our local police, I said, she's 14, it's statutory rape. And uh, they said, no, you're, there's not statutory rape. Legal age in Canada is 14. We watch American TV, we think of 16. Yeah. And I was just appalled. And when I started talking to people in our community, nobody knew this. It was like the best kept secret except for the predators. And at the same time, the internet was starting to explode. And uh, we had uh, predators across the border that the legal age was higher in those states targeting our 14-year-old girls. We could see a trend going there. And so um, the first person I would reach out to at that time was our MP. And that was Sharon Hayes from the Conservative Party. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And Sharon uh, helped me uh, develop a petition and get it known in the community and uh, 
Then um, we started presenting those uh, petitions, and Chuck Cadman uh, became a very oh, dear Chuck friend Cadman, of yes. mine as an MP, and uh, it finally changed from 14 to 16 in 2008, and Eugene uh, Desange really, really pushed. And um, he, I remember meeting with him, and uh, he was just appalled when I told him the stories of the kids I work with. And you could see that he really thought, this is wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when it changed. And, um, but, you know, from the time I first started to the time it changed, it was like 14 years. Oh, wow. So, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And also the other list, you look at all the different programs that you have brought into place, workshops and all the, you know, going to schools and talking to the kids. Have you ever talked to someone, and I'm sure you have, who had a different life because of the work that you did? Actually, I uh, was doing a workshop at uh, one of the colleges, I won't mention it, and there it was nurses. And uh, at the end of the course, this young girl came up to me and she said, I want to tell you, you sh- saved my life 10 years ago. And as soon as she said her name, I knew who she was. Oh. And uh, it was the first time we had the ability to use a Section 28 uh, a protection uh, intervention order against a predator in our community. And uh, she was in her teens and going to high school, and uh, he was much, much older. And we couldn't get charges because she wouldn't give a statement, and she didn't see that she was actually being exploited. They're so uh, young, though, right? She, yeah, and yeah. she was in love. And uh, we were able to get a no-contact order between them. With And at that time, um, an intervention order was be able to be put in place without the, protect, or the approval of the child. And um, so he broke the intervention order, and he ended up in custody. And that's when we could do some work with her and support her. And uh, she, 10 years later, she's now going to be a nurse. Oh, that's amazing. So those are the things that come out of the blue that you'd never expect. And looking back, did she realize now what was going on? Absolutely. And she said it was the best thing that ever happened, even though she hated us all at the time. Well, that's the thing. Like, how hard (laughs) is it then for parents out there? You must have seen that time and time again, is that you're trying to tell these young girls, no, listen to me, listen to me. I'm telling you, trying to tell you what's happening here, but how do you get through to them? Well, it's the same as anything with teens. Um, How important is it to go to school? And, uh, you know, they know best at the time and uh, it's where they are developmentally. So you, it is going to be a challenge. Um, And that's why we do the school-based program. um, And we do it with young people presenting, not adults, someone who is a parent figure. They're young people and it's done through storytelling and drama. Kids love drama. And they like to hear a real story, not just don't do this, but a story of what happened, how the person was manipulated. And it's amazing when you're sitting in the classroom, you can see the kids, their eyes looking at each other because you can tell there's something has been going on and they've identified a warning sign there. Oh, and so you can see oh, that you're hitting a nerve. Yeah. Oh. And then afterwards, they'll come up to you afterwards and say, you know, um, I need some help for a friend. Uh, and that's fine. And so we can walk through what services are available, what they can do. And sometimes they will give us a call or text us and say, you know, I need more support. And then we can support them if they want to give a statement with the police and even further supporting them through the court system. Are we getting, speaking of which, are we getting enough convictions? 
Are we getting enough? No. Are we getting some? Yes. Um, the criminal code around human trafficking changed in 2005. Uh, previous to that, um, a young person and an adult were the, to prove that they were being human or human trafficked had to be exactly the same. They've changed it now. So there doesn't have to actually be violence up against a child. There has to be that they are uh, signs or feelings that they are in danger. Um, also, the biggest thing is they don't have to cross the border. They don't have to be transported. Right. And um, when my daughter was on a stroll, the kitty stroll in Vancouver, she was 14 years old, and I couldn't get anyone to intervene. And uh, what happened is a young girl was brought up from Portland, Oregon, and put on the street at 11 years old. Oh, my goodness. And within hours, there was police, social workers involved, VPD were there, and three pimps from Oregon were charged. The reason they could do that is because that young girl was brought across the border. At the same time, my daughter's on the same strip, and no one can do anything because she wasn't brought across the border. That's changed. And so we are getting more charges. Um, we had our first charge wasn't until, um, what year was Mozami? Um, 2011. 2011 was when he was charged. Yeah. But he wasn't convicted uh, for a long period of time. In mean, 2015, Theme, he was yeah. convicted. So yeah. what you're asking is a young person to be connected to the justice system for four years. That's asking an awful lot of a yeah. young person's life. And uh, he was the first one to get charged under the criminal code of human trafficking of a young person. And uh, he got the long- longest sentence in Canada. So when we did it, we did it big. But there hasn't been a lot of charges. One of the biggest problems is the youth has to give a statement. Oh, so there's still more work to do. Absolutely. I feel like you've still got the passion there, but yeah. I know you're going to be retiring. <laughs> and to help celebrate Diane, there's a celebration of success event honoring her uh, that will be held in just two days, March 14th at Heritage Hall on Main Street. For more information, check out childrenofthestreet.com. Listen, Diane, thank you. And good luck in your retirement. Also, if anyone wants to support our programs, they can buy a WestJet uh, raffle ticket uh, online or get in touch with my office at uh, 604-777-7510. And it's a trip for two anywhere in the world. And that will be drawn on the evening of the 14th. Sounds good. Any questions, you can email me, simi at cknw.com. Thanks, Diane. Thank you.